Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Welcome to the fourth Sunday of Advent. And uh, one thing, um, if you've been with us through all of Advent, or if you are familiar with the calendar of the season of Advent, you know that there are four Sundays leading up to Christmas Eve, and there are four candles, uh, with the fifth one being the Christ candle. And there, each candle is associated with a word. And what we found is that these words are relatively common, um, but that the object or the person of these words is what makes it different for the Christian faith. So, for instance, our first Sunday, uh, back in November, actually, we lit the candle of hope. And we we, we talked about how we all have hope. You came in your car, didn't you? That's a lot of hope. You're sitting in a chair right now. You all have hope. Okay? But it's the object of our hope that makes all the difference. And it is during this time that we remind ourselves that we must put our faith and hope in Jesus alone. And then after that Sunday, we we lit the candle of peace. And we found out that the peace, uh, the word for peace in Hebrew is shalom. And I absolutely love that word because shalom means complete or whole. And in the Hebrew culture, they will ask you, how is your shalom? I love that. And it doesn't mean you know, how are you feeling today? It, it asks, are you whole? And to be whole is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the Shema. The Shema is from Deuteronomy. And if you were a Hebrew, you said the Shema every day to remind yourself that you are not whole until all of your strength and all of your hope and all of your love is in God through Jesus Christ. So that was Shalom. And last week you heard from Drew about joy. And that joy, joy comes from knowing and putting hope in the personhood of Jesus Christ. Joy comes when we know the truth. And the Bible says the truth will set us free. One thing that we talked about at Waterville last week with joy, I like it in the story that both Drew and I read, is that there was two expressions of joy in Luke chapter 2. And in our personal lives, we need, to, we need to have each of those expressions. So there was the expressions of the shepherds. And, and Drew talked a lot about the shepherds last week. They went and what? They went and shared about what they had seen. They left there and were like, whoa, we got to tell somebody. Right? And the famous um, book, by John Krakauer called Into the Wild. If you haven't read that book, I highly suggest it. True story about a boy here from New England uh, that went into the wilderness in Alaska to find himself. And one of the things that he journaled in his journal was, happiness is not real unless it is shared. And 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 the shepherds are that, that we see that in them. Their faith in Jesus, their experience in Jesus became even more evident and more real as they went. And we're like, dude, dude you got to hear. 
You've got to hear what happened, bro. Dude, the skies opened up, and they were singing glory to God in the highest, and then we found a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, just like they said. What? And that's joy, and joy is doubled when it's shared. We talk about joy is doubled when it's shared. We talk about heartache is cut in half, or a burden is cut in half when we share it. That's how, that's how, that's how God's economy works. That's what's so cool about God's economy. But then there's another character in Luke chapter 2. And we all know her. It's Mother Mary. And Mother Mary, it says this. It says, and Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. See, that's the beauty of hope in Jesus. That's the beauty of peace in Jesus. That's the beauty of joy in Jesus. It's both and. It's both an expression and an intimate and intimacy. And what happens, I find, a lot of times, is the enemy doesn't matter which side you fall off on. I am guilty of being an individual that's very expressive. And so, sharing my joy about barbecue, or snow, or skiing, or Jesus, comes natural to me. I'm expressive. I'm colorful. But I must be careful because, like Mary, she showed me that taking a breather, taking a break, and pondering all of these things in my heart is also an intimate joy that needs to experience. Now, in my household, I have a great example of that. My wife is one who ponders all these things in her heart very well. Very well. And it was on the Appalachian Trail that I found out that she needed to learn something from me. We were on the Appalachian Trail and we were each thinking about something that God was working on us in. And all of a sudden my my wife spoke up behind me on the trail and she said, Marcus, I need help celebrating. And I stopped and I said, I can help you with that. (laughs) Because I am the ghost of Christmas present. But Heidi does really well pondering all these things in her heart. And if that's something you don't do well, your expressive joy will soon run out. We need both and. Your intimate joy will be stronger and made more real if you share it. And your expressive joy will not run out if you have an intimacy joy with Jesus. And that brings us to today. Love. Now. We have learned the different words for different things, like joy, hope, and peace, right? Like shalom was for joy, I mean, excuse me, for peace. There is a lot of different forms of love. Am I right? I I can't think of another word. Can you think of a word that has so many different meanings than love? Can you? I, I just wrote down the, wor- the way that we can use them. It's kind of, and I built from, from kind of like less meaningful to more meaningful. And this is what I came up with. A lovely day. <laughs> I love this car. I love barbecue. I love my job. I love where I live. I really love my parents. You know, I, I really love my kids. I love my spouse. I love God. Did you see that? It was the same word. But I better not confuse my love for barbecue and my love for Heidi. That could end badly. 
And we have seen it in some of our staff's marriages when we love skiing and our spouse, when we can snowboarding. That doesn't go over so well. It's, equal, it's much harder on a powder day. But love has a lot of expressions. Love has a lot of, a million meanings to love. And there are just some words in foreign languages that do a better job. Right? There just isn't a word for us. Like, in English, like, it just doesn't sound really that great if you're like, ah, God, this has happened before. Like, totally, this has happened before. What's the right word to use for that? It's French. Deja vu. Right? And that's why I love the, the Bible Project guys this week on their podcast were talking about different words in other languages that just make sense. Like, and so we, instead of trying to come up with our own word, like me saying, oh, I swear this has happened before, that just does not sound as cool as, whoa, dude, deja vu. Right? I would like to help us today to look at the word love in Scripture and learn about this word love like maybe we haven't thought about it before. And just like we talked about today, there's different types of love. There's different words for love in the Scriptures. So, there's a word called kava, K-A-V-A-H. And that's kind of like our word love. And actually, when the Bible says in the Shema, in Deuteronomy, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, that's kava. And there's a lot of different kava. So, there is brotherly love. That's kava. Right? There is love for a child. Kava. There's love for a spouse. And then what's cool is in the Greek, in the New Testament, they start breaking it down. And you might know that. Like phileo is brotherly love, right? The city of brotherly love is Philadelphia, right, Drew? Right, Doug? Beloved. <laughs> Drew said that the city of Philadelphia is the, the city of brotherly shove. <laughs> Maybe not brotherly love. Um, and then, there, there, and then there's love for one's spouse, and that's eros, right? The, the, the passionate desire, love. Um, and then there's love for skiing and cars and mountains, and that might be a little bit of And that's kava. And kava is very important. But today, if you have your Bible, I would like for you to turn to Exodus chapter 34. And verse 6. Exodus chapter 34, that's in the beginning of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, it's the second book. Verse 34, I mean, chapter 34, starting in verse 6. This is not kava. This Hebrew, Hebrew word is chesed. And there is not another language, not just English. But there is not Greek, there is not Latin, there is not German, there is not French or Spanish that can come up with a word for chesed, with the same meaning. And this word chesed is here. And God, in this verse, is describing his character to Moses. And we get to listen in. This is an incredible moment. The God of the universe is speaking to a human being. And when he speaks, he's not just speaking to Moses. He's not just speaking to the people of Israel. 
He is speaking to all humanity. He knew when he said these words that in 2020, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, that some ski bum minister was going to do his darndest to spend his time in the Word and to tell you about this chesed. He knew it. And by God's grace and His mercy, He's allowed me to be here. And I'm a broken individual. I have no right to be up here doing this. The only right that I have is that my faith is in Jesus. My hope and trust is in Jesus. And He has filled me with His Holy Spirit. And by that power, He is prayerfully talking to you and to me. But here's what the Lord of heaven, the God of the universe, speaks to mankind, to humankind. It says this, The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, said his own name, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with chesed and faithfulness. And filled with chesed and faithfulness. Now, if you have the NLT, that says unfailing love. Does anyone have a different translation than the NLT? What you got? Abounding in love. That's what yours says. What's yours say? Steadfast love. We got abounding in love, steadfast love. The one I read said unfailing love. Does anyone have any different one? Goodness and truth. Some say mercy. Some say eternal love. Some say, um, I forget the other one. They have a couple different ones. Anyone have a different one? No? Everyone, that's the, I've said them all? What the Bible Project guys say, and I actually had a professor that said this. It reminded me when I heard it on the Bible Project guys' podcast. They said, when you can take uh, different translations and see that there's like four or five different words translated for one word, put the brakes on. Pump the brakes. There is room to learn. Because if the brilliant individuals that translated this have to figure out a different kind of word, I know another one, loving kindness. I forget which translation that is. But loving kindness is another one. And that's actually brought in from the German word. The Germans, when they don't know what to do with words, they sometimes just mash two together. right? And loving kindness is one. But when you see that, it's kind of like when you, you, know, when you see something, you've got to pump the brakes. And that's what's cool about reading different translations. I would encourage you, you can actually get a Bible sometime that has the different translations on the same page, which is cool. What's awesome about the Bible app is I can just click through and hit the different translations and see how do they write it and how do they write it. And this is one of those ones we need to pay attention. So chesed here, unfailing love, steadfast love, loving kindness, uh, the different ones that you've heard, mercy. Um, here's what I wrote down as the Marcus definition. Now, this Marcus definition, you might just throw it out. That's okay. But this just helped me try to capture what chesed is so that I can understand. Because it's important to understand because this is your God. This is the God of the universe. This is the God that took on human flesh and became a baby to save you and me. So it's This is the why right here. This is the why. And after some study, ready? This is my definition. You might just say, Marcus, that's too many adjectives. But this is how many adjectives I had to come up with to make this make sense to me. Are you ready? Chesed is an unstoppable motivation fueled by a deep devotion 
to fulfill a costly commitment, to keep an eternal promise made to an object of strong desire. That's the best I could do. I didn't know how to limit it. Because made to the object of strong desire. Guys, humankind, the human race is God's strong desire. The human race. (coughs) Excuse me. But if it was left just a strong desire, do you know what you would be left with? Eros. It would just be the intimate love between a husband and a wife. And is that the only form of love in this right here? No. It's part of it. Right? It's part of it. Oh, it's Santa. I wonder if they're coming in here. The head of the legion. Wow. If you were wondering, Santa comes in, uh, in safety. This is cool. I, I'm bummed because we're not at the community building. Because normally they come to the beauty building, all the kids run out, and they get the candy canes. That's a big old parade. Oh, there he is. I see him now. Cool. So, okay, where were we? Oh, yeah. So if it was just the, the deep desire, then that would be eros. But if it was just the unstoppable motivation, right, that would just be the emotions of love, right? The emotions of love is what Disney is made on. The emotions of love sell country music. But if you just have the emotions of love, where do you go? It's like grasping for a cloud. It'll never... If love doesn't create an action, then is, then is it really real? It's just a feeling. Right? But, if it was just the deep devotion to fulfill a costly commitment, that's incredible. That's the action of love. But if it was just that, it would be duty. It would be duty. And I love how the Bible Project guys describe the difference between dutiful love and real chesed. Chesed is when your spouse suffers a major injury or disease and renders them helpless. And you, as a spouse, care for that person. You bathe them, you feed them, you get them up, you put them down. And other than being in your presence, there's nothing they can do for you. That's chesed. Now, if you are a caregiver that are being paid to do that, that's fulfilling your commitment to your job. See the difference? There's a difference. Sorry, the whole Santa thing. I'm all off on my notes here. i got to recover from Santa coming in a fire truck. Yeah, this interruption brought to you by Santa. Um, but I, I, what I, what I'm trying to drive at here, what I want, what I want to, I want to, I want you to understand this chesed is this is something that is not humanly possible. Listen to the, the definition one more time. And I hope that you're like me and you're like, whoa, I can't do that. An unstoppable motivation fueled by deep devotion to fulfill a costly commitment To keep an eternal promise made to an object by strong desire. That's the definition. But if you're like me, and you went through school, and your English teachers 
or your biology teacher or your chemistry teacher just filled your head with definitions, I don't know about you, but I never learned it. I never learned it until what? I saw it in real life. Are you like that with me? I didn't learn anything until I saw it in real life. Are you guys ready for chesed in real life? Are you ready? Here it is. Most famous verse of all time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's chesed. John 3.16. That's chesed. God made a choice. See, God's the only one that can have that authority to make that choice. God made a choice. But if it was just a choice without commitment, would it have fulfilled the promise? No. Who had to commit? Jesus. What did he commit? You guys read from 1 John. There is no greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life. That's full commitment. I've heard it said that the chicken is invested in breakfast, but the pig is committed. Why? Because the pig gives his life. The chicken gives an egg. Jesus committed fully his life. God chose to give Jesus. Jesus committed his life. And it was all motivated by God's character of love. All motivated by God's character of love. 1 John tells us that this is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down His life. And it says that we should love just as God first loved us. Because God is love. It is His character. So God is love. Jesus is the fulfillment of that love. And this morning when I was preparing for my sermon and my mom was visiting... She goes, okay, you talked about God, you talked about Jesus, Marcus, that's great. Where's the Holy Spirit play in? Where's the Holy Spirit play in? Okay, you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the famous love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not boast, it keeps no record of wrong. Love always prevails. I don't know about you, but that list, can, can you uphold that list? Have you never held a record of wrong done against you? Wait till you get cut off over here by a skier. Going to hold a record of wrong? Watch where you're going. I'm driving a huge white van. How can you not see it? Cap a record of wrong right there. Guys, the only way that we fulfill the love that's asked of us in Scripture, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love one another. The Bible says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. 1 Corinthians says, love is patient, love is kind. It holds no record of wrong. The only hope of you and I fulfilling that kind of love is to be filled with love itself. And who is love? God. And Jesus paved a way by his commitment so that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit, so that we could love as God first loved us. Without the Holy Spirit, we have no hope of loving how God first loved us. Does that make sense? That's how the Holy Spirit's involved. And that's chesed. 
And I don't know of a word that can, that can, that can capture that. Love, kind of, right? But if you can put love and pizza in the same sentence, it doesn't quite do it. Chesed. God chose you. Jesus committed his life so that you could be filled with the Holy Spirit and that you could go and love likewise. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.